crippling thoughts, dramatic mysteries, wonderful worlds of fantasy, denying love of the heart that beats within your chest, or is it just your imagination? Let's dive into a world of novels as we read books from all over, from writing and reading reviews to interviews, one-on-one sessions, and honest writing opinions. Let's keep it real in this new mystical mode. What's good, you guys? I'm your wonderful host, Mystic, and welcome to another episode of Mystical Mode, where I give you guys my best opinions, and hopefully you guys won't kill me for them later. Today, we have a fantabulous review and a fantabulous story that I am dying to share with all of you. This story has truly brung in a new light to Greek mythology, which just happens to be one of my favorite mythologies, I guess. Greek mythology, if you guys don't know what it is, is Zeus, Aphrodite, Hera, basically Olympus, Persephone, Hades, Apollo, and so Venus! Ugh, the birth of Venus painting was absolutely stunning, but so much more. These stories are legends over the time with Greek mythologists used to describe how the world did things. Like, for instance, how we all have spiders now. There was a lady by the name of Arachnid, and she challenged Aphrodite to um, a sewing competition of weaving tapestries. Well, long story short, she pissed off Aphrodite, and she turned her into the very first spider, and you can always see her artwork up in her webs when she's weaving. But enough about that in my distinct and undying love for Greek mythology. That's why, actually, I love this story so much. It kind of bases around that theme, as the story is called The Silent Witness, and it is by Kim Applegren. Sorry if I said your name incorrectly, but The Silent Witness has a five-star in fantasy in 39 chapters, and let me tell you, let me tell you, this story is definitely worth the five-star rating that it has received from multiple different sources and people. Like, it's so amazing, so bright and light, and just so fantastically written. The grammar and punctuation can put you in a daze, not to also mention the storyline itself. It's so indignant and alluring that I just can't help but want to read more, honestly. But enough about that, let's read something from their bio. It says, Assassin's Creed, Narena. Lord of the Rings, A Song of Ice and Fire, Percy Jackson, Harry Potter, Egrand. Any fantasy story is better than reality. I'm creating my own, and you were all invited. Well, thank you for the invitation. I have gladly accepted it, and I've loved and love your work. The story, you have multiple stories up on your platform, like The Shadow's Price, um, The Time Travels of Tistan and Troy, and The Silent Witness, of course, but The Silent Witness by far, as I've only skimmed through those other stories, The Silent Witness by far, for me personally, since I'm like a Greek mythology weeb, in a way, is by far my favorite. I love it, and I think it's very, very interesting. Not to mention the, um, what's it called? The font that you use to write the names, also very creative and very unique. I absolutely adore adore it now i'm sorry if we say some of the characters names wrong such as like that and so on but truly i think you have an amazing story truly truly an amazing story worth the ratings that it has 
without a doubt received. I kind of wish you can go up to like 10 stars if I could. But that's enough me blabbing on and on. Let's get into the story, guys. Warning, warning, and warning. This story may contain adult themes, strong language, and descriptive sexual content that isn't suitable for individuals under the age of 18. Keep that in mind. Back to the episode. Chapter 1. The Gods Gather Zether paced up and down the throne room within the Grand Palace, his footsteps echoing across the hall. His mind was racing as to what his intentions were. It was one thing having the concept, it was another thing entirely different in voicing the matter altogether. He had sent his nephew Phyro to summon the other gods for a council meeting. Zether wore his finest of robes, a silver glittering robe that fitted his frame with a long train behind it a neck-high collar that came to a v-shape just by his collarbone it sported red diamond colored buttons that came halfway down his body he wore shimmering black leggings and black diamond studded knee-length boots his great sword known as bright star was sheathed and hung on his belt his curly platinum white hair hung loose down his back and on his head he wore his platinum crown that showed he was by no doubt the all-father and at its center it bore his symbol of absolute power while he was waiting, hands clasped behind his back, he looked out the great window known as the Chart View, which was specifically designed to overlook the coming and going of those who dwell on Everthene. No one could escape the watch of the gods from his particular window. The Grand Palace of Everthene was situated in the heart of the metropolis. It was within this palace where the gods would meet, settling disputes of or air views, needing each other's input. Advice and support, the throne room was set on the grandest of scales. At the end of the hall were two high seats, meant for the king and queen, along with two thrones on each side of them. All six were splendid and majestic. In the middle of the throne was a pool of crystal water known as the Silent Whisper, stemming the color sapphire mixed with purple. The waters were so serene that not even a ripple could be seen. It looked as if a mirror had been laid on the floor. It was a splendid sight and took up much of the spacing on the floor. The pool had no edgings as it was at ground level and rather deep. Along each side of the pool were five lights on each side and two on each of their ends. The lights would create a reflection of everything on the gold dome ceiling with aurora lights dancing around, quiet yet majestically. Along each side of the silent whisper were six daisies with a seventh that was on the opposite side of the six thrones. The days belonged to Pharaoh. Each throne was crafted by the gifted Remezlo. The thrones were created out of marble, inlaid with white gold. The trimmings were coated with red diamonds and lapis lazuli. Five marbled steps were needed to climb up to each god's days. The seats were round and had armrests with high backrests. Engraved on the top of each backrest was a unique symbol that represented each god and goddess. These symbols glowed a faint rosetta, an orange light. When a god wished to speak, the throne room's custom was that they would stand, walk forward, and as they did so, three steps would appear airborne with each stride and after the three steps. A round platform would appear for them to stand on. The encircled platform would shine aurora lights that would reach no higher than the god's ankles. The thrones of the great six, as they were referred to, emanated soft bluish lights. 
the encrusted red diamond shone brilliantly and the marble that supported the throne seemed to spin on its own axis, without the seats themselves winding. His thoughts were interrupted when the door swung open and his family came bustling in, talking amongst themselves. Faro came in first and just behind him came Sam Rosa, walking as if she were the center of attention. As she often felt. Baronzo came right behind and nearly squashed her against the door, clearly in a hurry in the hopes of meeting being short. As a god of action, sitting still had never been his specialty. Samrosa was tempted to cast a spell on him to fall in love with the door, kissing it forever. However, she pushed the thought aside as she felt sympathy for the door. The throne room fell silent when Vizra entered. The queen of Everthene shone with absolute authority. Her amethyst-colored dress of soft, flowing, lightweight satin with a fitted bodice had a V-shaped neck. Clung tightly around her waist was a golden sash and her dress flared from the waist down. Over her dress she wore a cape which had a long train, the golden-edged collar raised over her neck, bending slightly and her sleeves hung halfway down to her knees when her hands were clasped together. Her sleeves, too, were edged with gold. She glided rather than walked and shimmered with every stride. Her long raven hair was entwined with golden gossamers and her violet eyes were striking. She fixed her eyes on her throne and extended her slender hand to Gether, who kissed it, then escorted her to her throne. Her two sisters, Motina and Kafshiva, who were both married to Zether's brothers, Oland and Tenjer, who were not far behind. Olen sat on Zether's left with his wife Motina next to him, while Vezra's right sat her sister Kashiva with her husband Tenger next to her. Once everyone had taken their seats, Zether holding his staff, Satham, gave a firm thud on the floor which sent a shock wave and everyone immediately fell silent. Even the godling who lived on everything heard Statham, knowing that the council of the gods was now in session and knew great matters would take place if all the major Everthenian gods were assembling. Taking a deep breath, Zether scanned the room, aware of all the eyes on him. I thank you all, my dear family, for coming to this meeting, he said formally. I have an announcement to make, which may not sit well with some of you. All were now evidently curious, sitting up a little straighter. For some time now, Zether continued, it has been on my mind for us to, if I could put it this way, use our powers once again on a whole new level. Though it has been put to the test in the past before. Vezra glanced at her husband, her eyes blazing fiercely. Do not tell me what I think you are about to say. Zether slowly turned to meet his wife's gaze and simply said, Yes. She heaved a heavy sigh, turning again and facing everyone in the room. Zether said, We may have failed in the past, that I cannot deny. But it is my solemn wish is that this time round we may yet succeed. Kafshiva spoke with a cool voice and said, Do pray, say the word that everyone is thinking of. Zether looked around the throne room, then turned towards the great six and simply said one word. Mankind. This is an outrage, bellowed Olend, standing up and walking towards his platform. Have you not forgotten that during a time span of 500,000 years, we had an age of mankind? Ismina was already standing on her platform and broke in. And during that age, mankind became savage and warlike, barbaric in nature, destroying everything in their path. At first, their justice system did them well, but then men decided to take vengeance to their own hands, lynch mobs killing people if they thought that justice was not served. If that was not enough, 
they would mutilate people before killing them, and then eventually they began enjoying torturing. Throwing women and children head first from cliffs when men simply became tired of having the responsibility of having a family to support, and many turned a blind eye? Many cities around Batheron decided that this was the easiest way out, and women feared for their lives when given away in marriage. Everyone remained still. It still seemed Ismina could no longer keep her contempt hidden. Remember when anyone would take the fall for either thievery or murder, even if that person were innocent? And anyone who had the stomach to carry out the torture would hack off the victim's bottom jaw, removing limbs and became an icon of savagery? We all stood in this very room, discussing those same matters, and finally, when the humans settled to human sacrifices and cannibalism, you, uncle, pointing now to Zether, closed the heavens with the darkest of clouds and killed many with lightning, while Queen Vezra opened the grounds with earthquakes in which many more disappeared. Those who were left blamed others, plunging all the nations into civil war. Veronto gave a juvenile smile, reminiscing the days when he was called on by his father to bring a war to end all wars. Those who were left behind were simply killed by the god himself. So serious. Veronto murmured to Pharaoh, who gave a smirk, which quickly disappeared when Ismina shot him a look. Veronto merely gave her a wink. Ismina asked, And yet you wish to create a second age? And why not? Sighed Samrosa, who did not once look up during the meeting. Still seated, she had been studying her nails intently. I could use a bit of a challenge. Ignoring her niece, Martina stood up and agreed with Olend. I will not see a Barathon destroyed again. Of course she would agree with her husband, Samrosa muttered. Motina pretended to ignore her. Will there be a sun and moon again? Motina continued. Will the seas rise and Tengar destroy lands and islands with his angry waves? Tenger said nothing, but his eyes glittered at the comment. Just what exactly do you have in mind that this time round mankind will be worth creating? Motina asked, now annoyed. But before Zether could answer, everyone exploded with shouts and muttering amongst each other across the throne room. All but three goddesses were seated, Vezra, Seraphin, and Samrosa. Seraphin looked over at her mother. Vezra had been sitting with her eyes closed and her head resting on her throne's backrest. Seraphin was grateful that her mother remained silent. She shuddered at the thought of what might happen if Vezra were to voice what was clearly a battle going on in her mind. Eventually irritated, Zether raised Statham towards the dome ceiling where the lights now shone with extreme colors, signifying fury. The lights surged into his staff, and he struck the ground with such force that all the gods and goddesses flung back into their seats. The shockwave caused a tremor throughout everything. Enough! He bellowed. The throne room immediately fell silent. Turning to Motina, he firmly said, Yes, there will be lands and seas. Yes, there will be lights in the skies. And yes, there will be inhabitants of Barathorn. Turning to the rest of his family, he firmly said, Nothing will deter me from my decision. It is final. Breaking the awkward silence, Salive leaned forward and sardonically said to Seraphin, Now, remember how we used to do this little sister? You shine at night, and I shine at day. Simple enough for you? Seraphin stood up and countered. Don't cite the ancient laws to me, big brother. 
I wasn't there when our powers were given, and I, for one, had seen enough devastation to never forget what had happened during the First Age. Her voice carried across the throne room in such a manner that even Vezra opened her eyes and looked across at her daughter. Selive sat, utterly speechless. Veronto gaped at her and Samrosa broke a nail in surprise at the outburst, gazing wide-eyed at her sister. Anger had never been in Seraphin's nature. For a moment, Sather stared at his daughter, his mouth wide open for a moment, forgot why they were having this meeting in the first place. Coming back to his senses, he shook his head and continued. Uh, yes. Now, as I was saying, I ask that both Martina and Tegir divide Barathorn with land and sea. Pharaoh, divide the four winds across the domains. Kefsheva, create animals. Seraphin and Salev, retrieve both the moon and the sun from the void. Who will create this new race of mortals? Olend asked. Why you, brother? Zether asked innocently. The souls of mortals had been taken to both your realms, Innocence Lost and Terra Nimble. Although I must confess, Innocence Lost has more occupants than the, than the latter. Olen gritted his teeth but said nothing. I would also be needing you, Ismina. I would like your input in this matter. The rest of you may leave us. On their way out, Vezra turned and asked. I suppose I have no say in this? She looked around for support, but the other suddenly became interested in the columns spread across the throne room. No, Zether said flatly. Without another word, Vezra swung on her heels and stormed out of the room. Do you think she will ever get over this, uncle? Isma asked, still staring at the door. Zether sighed. She didn't the first time around, my dear. Why should this be any different? Okay, I don't know about you guys, but that was definitely one of my favorite chapters, along with the prologue of this story. They both insinuate so much detail and promise, and not to mention, all of the names are super unique and very, very beautiful. I cannot really decipher what language, like the origin of those names are. If anything, I don't want to make the assumption and say they are Greek names, but they definitely, definitely sound familiar. So, wow, thanks for using the Greek alphabet. Also, special shout out to the editing and voice acting team. You guys did an amazing job. Hand claps for you. Yay. But back to the story at hand. I love this chapter so very much. And I can tell you exactly why. One, you described the throne room and where they're going to be having the meeting in extreme and delicately beautiful details. I love the idea of the um I love the idea of the little like pond that you well, can't really say it's a pond, more as it is in the story you have stated that it is a silent whisper, but this little lake or pond or whatever you want to call it that you've created in the center of the throne room as it shimmers and it shows light with its flowers it's absolutely stunning and so very very beautiful the descriptions that you've used to even describe his, the um, main god's clothing i can't say his name properly and i don't want to tarnish it because my actors and my team have already said it so beautifully but it's just so nice you described his long, glorious robes and his sword. That's, our, oh my god. And I just don't know what else to say besides it was so beautiful. 
beautifully written and beautifully spoken and just beautiful to look at. The extreme detail that you've used to describe your character setting is absolutely amazing. Without, without a doubt, in my mind, I think it's absolutely amazing. I really don't have any downfalls about the level of detail that you have established in this story at all. Because, as you can clearly see, you have established so much detail and so much imagery is just flowing through my mind as like a raging river. It's just amazing and I can only give you, I can only give you praise as this story is truly one to behold. My gosh, you really have done an outstanding job writing this story. You've done an outstanding job with it. I can only imagine how much time and effort that you've put into writing this novel. By far. But with every pro, there's always a con. And really, to be honest, they're not major cons. Not even a little bit. Just little things you might want to think about in the future. The story itself is Freak Apples amazing. Yes, you all heard me correctly. Freak Apples amazing. Deliciosos. Beautiful. The only weird things that I've found in this story is, for one, you have two summaries in a way. Now, I don't know all of you guys who are using Inkit, but when you use Inkit, when you're posting out a story, you can show a summary part of your story. So that's mainly what everybody already sees when they first click on the story or the reason why they're reading it to begin with. Of course, some summaries are shorter than the others, and if people have more than one summary within the story, it is telling details about the characters, their background, who's going to begin the story, little extra information, you know, that, that little extra, like, that little extra bonus feature, you know? But with you, you've written an amazing, amazing summary in the beginning, which is super awesome, first off. And second off, I just don't understand why you wrote two, in a way. Like, I know there's a little bit more, I don't know, maybe there's like a little bit more detail, not, mm, there's not really much detailed difference between the summary that's on the what everybody else can see versus the summary that's, you know, that you've posted as a chapter. And me, for me, honestly, I really don't think you would need the second summary at the bottom of your book, at the bottom for your first chapter, I mean. I don't see the use for it. I really honestly don't see the need for it. But you can keep it. It's totally up to you. But if you do consider changing it in the future, I would recommend you writing down character names, what they are, who they are, powers, capabilities, any extra Easter eggs you want to put in there as well. Because I'm not going to deny the facts that I got extremely confused between characters. Of course, you did a great job explaining all of them and their relationship and such like that and so on. But I don't know. I feel like when you when you guys are watching a show or when you're reading a book and characters are slowly added on and like they show they show interest and they show promise and they're actually meant for the story, I feel like you can just, you know, in a way, remember them just a little bit more. So if you ever want to change your summary in the beginning, you don't have to. This is just my opinion. If you ever think about changing it for the future, I would recommend you put down a character list. How to pronounce character names, what the characters are goddess or god of, and to be honest, their powers, capabilities, maybe if you want to. 
maybe don't put their powers and capabilities because I think that would kind of drill away from like the surprise like oh ah type of factors but definitely show their relationships to one another and such as like that and so on because I don't know what you guys but I got lost I know you explained all the characters who they are what they are we didn't explain what they are but still another thing that I was thinking about is that you don't explain what they're gods or goddesses of in a way of course we know that oh my god the main guy I'm just gonna keep saying the main guy because I truly cannot look at that name and say it properly French Spanish sure give it to me English eh, Greek what looks like Greek most definitely probably not but when you describe the main guy, his name starts with an F, and he's like kind of like the father of all of the other gods. He's kind of like Zeus in a way, which I adore. But Zeus is a Zeus is a butthole. I I can't respect Zeus at all in Greek mythology. I'm pretty sure Arachne totally described him perfectly in that sassy little tapestry she wrote about in the story of Arachne. But let's get back to the story in hand. Um. I, I don't know. I feel like he really. I feel like you should probably should have written down their care, like their power capabilities, or what the goddess they are of. Like I know, I think her name was Saf, Safir. Oh, I'm not gonna try to say her name. The goddess who was basically saying like, oh, I'm gonna make my brother or whatever like that fall in love with the door, but I would feel bad for the door. So of course we can already like put two and two together and guess that she's the goddess of like love and fertility and such like that and so on. The other god who was impatient to get inside, well clearly he's like an action type of god. So maybe the god of war, the god of work, the god of um non patience. I, I don't <laughs> I honestly don't know. But maybe in the summary as well, this is just my opinion, like I said before, you don't have to continue on with it. Maybe put in a character list and put in what the what they're god of. You know, I wouldn't put in their powers because I feel like putting in powers, especially with gods, puts in limitations of what they're actually capable of and what they're doing. So don't add in their powers. If that was me, I would just focus on the main fact that you need to write a character list because I got so fun diddly confused. Oh my gosh, it's like using GPS to go somewhere you've never been before. The map's telling you one way, like turn down the street, make a left, but there's no left street and it's a road end. So <laughs> I know, I don't know if you guys ever had that issue, but haha, I am not the best driver. Either way, just keep that in mind for the future and such as like that and so on. Other than that, you've had a great chapter, a great summary, and an even better prologue. The prologue was amazing. It introduced a character that I think is kind of cool. When I first started to read it, I was just like, this is giving me werewolf story vibes in a way. Because it was like the moon goddess. And I was just like, so is she going to bless some humans with the power to turn into some beast? But then it continued on. I'm like, oh, it's not going down this way. It would If it would have went that way. It would have been cool, but I love the surprising factor way more than I like it being predictable. So, good job. Five out of five stars for me already. For the first chapter, talking a little bit more about that. I like the struggle that you have put into the room. I like it how people are saying, no, we can't make humans again. Humans are absolutely terrible. The first time we made them, they screwed the ham sandwich up. And I'm just like, yeah. 
Yeah, humans be like that. Humans definitely did screw the ham sandwich up without a 100% of a doubt. Yes, they did. But other than that, you've done a great job overall with me. I don't really have any other things to tell you because your punctuation and grammar are on point. Your writing style is so femininely majestic. It's just not saying that you are either a girl or a guy as I like to keep it pretty non-binary. But either way, it's so fluent and majestic and nice. It's smooth and crisp. It's like stepping on a leaf in fall and having that satisfying crunch to it. Or like, how would you say, biting into an apple and it's sweet, sour, soft, and hard and just the right texture overall. It's just very nice and clean. And you don't see a lot of that with new novelists. Although I'm not guessing how long you've been writing. Clearly... I don't know, you could probably, like, I don't know if you're new or old, but clearly you definitely, without a doubt, have some extreme experience under your belt. Hell, I could probably learn a few things from you myself. But other than that, great story. It's definitely worth the rating that you have and so much more. Guys, definitely check out this book on Inkit. It is so awesome. I just can't even begin to describe in words how amazing this story is. It's majestic, it's talented, it holds in character and creativity, it's development, and the characters aren't two-dimensional. If you guys ever are into um, mythology, Greek stuff, or just stories about goddesses and gods and mankind versus gods, just in general, this is the story that I recommend to you. This story is amazing. Truly is worth the read of it. It is a little bit lengthy, but... To be honest, it doesn't feel like you're reading anything lengthy like that to begin with, you know. But if you're going to read it, make sure you are age appropriate because this is 18 and up with mature scenes, as mentioned earlier. So make sure that you are age appropriate to listen to the story because as you guys already know the story, I don't need a five paragraph essay as to why I'm making my your, your children read these certain novels. <laughs> we don't need any of that in our in our emails. Woke up at 3 a.m. in the morning to wake up to a five-paragraph email. Oh, wow. But other than that, great job. Great story. Definitely worth the read, guys. And do it. Yeah. But until next time, guys. Peace out. Hey guys, welcome to our little bonus feature here where we give you more than one opinion and not just our own. Reviewed by Kira Storm, they say, I love reading your book. It holds Percy Jackson with a mix of Chronicles of Narnia. Even though I'm reading four chapters, I am surprised by how beautiful this book is. Overall rating was 5 out of 5 stars, plot was 5 out of 5 stars, writing style was 5 out of 5 stars, grammar and punctuation was 5 out of 5 stars. Reviewed by Martha Lehner, they say, If you had a fantasy story, this book is definitely for you because you'll be hooked. The author described the fantasy world, which involves gods and goddesses very well. It's a great book. I love it. Overall rating, 5 out of 5 stars. Plot, 5 out of 5 stars. Writing style, 5 out of 5 stars. Grammar and punctuation, 5 out of 5 stars. Reviewed by Amanda. 
They say this work is amazing. Author has created her own fantasy world and mythologies. The characters are beautifully described. The plot and storyline is absolutely mind-blowing. Excited to the journey through this book and read the fantasy world you've created. Well done. Overall rating was 5 out of 5 stars. Plot was 5 out of 5 stars. Writing style was 5 out of 5 stars. Grammar and punctuation, 5 out of 5 stars. And for our last review today, reviewed by Sheets, which says, Wow, this story is amazing. It is very creative. I love it. Your writing style is amazing and is very descriptive and vivid. I am able to imagine everything. Amazing work. Overall rating, 5 out of 5 stars. Plot, 5 out of 5 stars. Writing style, 5 out of 5 stars. Grammar and punctuation, 4 out of 5 stars. Well, guys, those are some amazing reviews, and thank you for giving this amazing author all the support which they have definitely deserved. Also, why don't you guys help us and share in and help us with some donations if you don't mind? We are working towards expanding even further than we already have. We also need to pay our voice actors, our editing team, and so much more. And not to lie, I like to have a little bit of money in my pocket as well. So guys, hit that support button. Donate every month if you would love to continue listening. We need your money! So, (laughs) without further ado, thank you so much for listening. We've kept it real on this mystical mode. And until next time, catch you guys later.